0: Now, from South Florida, this is The Current Event with your host, Eric Marmer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Current Event podcast. It's Monday, October 19th. Sometimes we'll do it on a Monday. Today, we have some interesting stories. One is international, and of course, there's one from Florida. So this week's story comes out of Sudan, of all places. And if you haven't been following what's going on in Sudan, they actually have a transitional government in place, which took power following the fall of the veteran dictator who was there for a long time. His name is Ammar al-Bashir. I don't know if you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe not. So anyway, what's happening right now is uh, Washington. I love how articles use the term Washington. What does that even mean? I guess that's like the executive branch of government and in coordination with the State Department, it's a pretty vague statement. Like, who is Washington? So Sudan is being removed from the terrorism blacklist that our country has designated Sudan after they agreed to pay $335 million in compensation to families and other people that were affected by the bombing of the two U.S. embassies by al-Qaeda in 1998. So Sudan shared a couple friends on that list, North Korea, Syria, and Iran, among others. In this attack in 1998, 224 people died and 4,000 other people were injured in the double bombing of the embassies in Tanzania and Kenya. So it wasn't even in Sudan that this happened. And then following this attack, U.S. courts ended up uh, finding Sudan guilty, providing essential support to Al-Qaeda when Bin Laden was based in the country from 1991 to 1996. Here's the kicker of the story that I really found like, wow, that's interesting. It's something that I really never heard of. Apparently, when we put Sudan on this list and we charged them with being, you know, essential support to Al Qaeda, they offered to give him to us. So, from what I read, there's sources that say that that are, you know, our intelligence said that never happened. But just think of the possibilities. If it really did happen and we turned down a great offer to stop future attacks that we all know about in the United States. So after this took place, of course, uh, President Donald Trump tweeted out uh, congratulations and, you know, all these good things about how Sudan's paying the $335 million. But Congress has to approve this. This isn't something the president just can do uh, unilaterally, even though presidents like to do unilateral things. Um, anyway, he tweeted it out and the Sudanese president tweeted this tweet and that notification are the strongest support to Sudan's transition to democracy and to the Sudanese people. As we're about to get rid of the heaviest legacy of Sudan's previous defunct regime, I should reiterate that we are peace loving people and have never supported terrorism. So I can't knock him like, of course we would like to have peace and not have countries, you know, support terrorism. And we hope that that's right. Does three hundred and thirty-five million dollars make up for that in the grand scheme of things? I mean, let's be honest here. They pay us three hundred and thirty-five million dollars in compensation for what they for what they did. And does that make it right? No. Is it a good move toward a more peaceful world? I hope. Um, but really, who knows? So anyway, there's ministers and opposition leaders, and ordinary people in the country that oppose um spending millions of dollars and giving it to the United States. I mean, have you seen Sudan? It's not the most wealthy country, so I'm sure there's a lot of backlash from that, and I'm sure people there could use the resources more than we can. I mean, that's not to say that these families shouldn't be compensated. I'm just saying uh, that's a lot of money from a country that probably doesn't have a lot of money, my problem with these opposition leaders and ministers that are against giving us the three hundred and thirty-five million dollars is that their arguments for the most part aren't about using public funds, but more so they're arguing that it's because of the misdeeds of a fallen dictator. So my problem with that is is that hello Sudan, have you seen what Germany has had to do to make up for the things they have done? for their dictator that was in charge for uh, all of World War Two, where they killed 7 million plus people, they're still paying for it today. I mean, it's an interesting debate. Should people have to pay for something that previous generations did? I don't know. But if it's right for the people that are still alive today that were affected by it, I think that it's pretty fair. So, I mean... I know they don't have a lot of money but the argument that because they had a dictator that obviously was supported by some people and probably still are that they shouldn't have to pay it's not a great argument. I'd be arguing more in favor of we need these funds. But here's the thing too. So they paid us $335 million and you know it seems like a lot of money. But now that takes them off a terrorism blacklist, which probably inhibited them from receiving any humanitarian funds or or us helping them with their um, their economy or finances like that. And, you know, they're giving us that. But how much money are we going to be giving as taxpayers in the United States to support their country in response to to this? Not to say that we shouldn't, but just thinking about the numbers, I'm a finance guy. It could be a little bit more than the $335 million. So according to some of my research on this, a lot of analysts are saying that there's still a lot of obstacles to Sudan's access to international and U.S. aid even after this takes place. I don't know, per se, what those obstacles are. But yeah, I think that you should have to do more than pay $335 million to uh, make up for a terrorist bombing of two U.S. embassies. And dare I say this on a public thing that everyone can listen to? what if Saudi Arabia gave us uh, $335 million for their support of bin Laden and al-Qaeda in their attack on the United States in what year? Oh yeah, 2001, September 11th. I don't know how Americans would feel about that if we were just to be like, okay, but guess what? Saudi Arabia is not even on a terror watch list. And um, I think it's just, complete hypocrisy to let Saudi Arabia off the hook just because they have things that they can offer us when Sudan probably can't. So that's why they end up on a terror watch list when really they both should be. When I was in grad school, I took a government finance course and this thing really stuck with me because it's just so horrendous, but it's the reality of the world we live in. You can put a price on anything, including that of human lives. And here you see it played out right now. So I guess we'll see what happens if Congress decides to move them from a terrorism blacklist. Great. Um, As long as, you know, they hold true to that and, you know, hopefully they have a real democracy and and that works for them um, because it's certainly not working for everybody right now. Here's my other deep dive thought on this. The United States is known to have never and will never negotiate with hostage takers. But doesn't this just seem like it's just the backwards thinking of that, like, yes, um, this happened in 1998, and now we're being compensated $335 million. So essentially, you can think of it as, yes, um, anyone can kill Americans and bomb our embassies. And you know, in like 22 years, we'll just pay you a sum of money, and that'll smooth it all over. I just really don't know what message this sends, and on the opposite spectrum of that, it shows that the United States is willing to work with countries that aren't in good standing with us and are seen as adversarial. But all in all, I hope that this country stands true to what it said and that democracy works for them and it leads to a more peaceful world that we all live in. And now, it's time for the Florida Man segment. You know, because, well, crazy shit happens in Florida. <laughs> All right, guys, this week's Florida Man story is, like, pretty ridiculous. It doesn't include one man. men. It's uh, seven suspects are being charged in a million-dollar international flying squirrel trafficking operation. Okay, so I come from, like, the thought of, you know, a lot of crime is caused by plight, and people are just trying to survive to because they have no other means, but like, this is desperation, and it's pretty sad, like, they're taking natural life out of Florida, and shipping in other places, and you know what, like, here's my first thought on this, if you're not, uh, native to Florida, or you don't live in Florida, or you're not, a uh, snowbird, you probably don't know that pythons, curly-tailed lizards, and iguanas are just among some of the few, uh, things that have taken over the environment, at least in South Florida, and, I don't know. Maybe they can like give these guys some kind of like deal where they can internationally transport all the all the invasive species to South Florida, and uh, I think that's pretty good punishment, uh, among other things. So, Florida Fish and Wildlife opened this investigation back in January twenty nineteen after being tipped off about people illegally trapping uh, the protected flying squirrel. So Korean buyers were transporting these in rental cars to Chicago, and this would further conceal where the animals were coming from, and then they would ship them to Asia for God knows what reason. I'll just let you think about that. The investigators also found that they were trafficking in native freshwater turtles and alligators. Um, I don't know how you transport alligators to Asia, but... I really don't want to find out. So this was a 19 month investigation and they found that the suspects used over 10,000 traps. So these guys captured over 3,600 flying squirrels, which FWC is saying equaled over an estimated $1 million in retail value. And I, I just can't help but think of like the poor guy that works at FWC who, you know, is getting all this evidence and then like just tallying up, okay, like we got, 300 turtles, uh, 700 alligators, and oh, 3,600 flying squirrels, which equals a total value of $1 million. So anyway, I am really happy for FWC. Those guys are not Florida men in a bad way, but Florida men in a good way. It's just nice to know that somebody's out there doing their job and making sure uh, someone's looking out for these animals because they can't speak for themselves. So usually I only do one Florida man story, you know, lighten up the uh, the news that I'm giving you, but I have to give an honorable mention to women, you know, can't leave them out. And there's not usually a lot of Florida women's stories out there, uh, but this one is worth mentioning and I'll keep it short. Uh, the title of this article is Florida woman keeps telling police her name. Is my butt just farted during her arrest? I mean, that is funny in itself, but. The real kicker here and what makes this a Florida woman story is that this lady had her name tattooed on her back, so it didn't take police long to figure out who she was. There you have it, guys. We got a little equal opportunity action here with some Florida man, Florida woman story. And like I said, the Florida woman story is rare because I guess, you know, in general, women commit less crimes and are a little bit more level-headed. So if I ever come across a good Florida woman story, it's gonna be on the show. So this is a new segment I'm trying out, and I won't do this every week, but when something really bothers me, I'm just gonna have to tell you about it. So why are there uh, Republican and Democrat poll watcher groups? Like, if we're going to have poll watchers, there should be some kind of like national organization of poll watchers, and it's not party-affiliated because the whole point in people being poll watchers is to make sure that the rules and regulations are being followed regardless of party. So I don't know how you feel about that, but that should definitely kind of be a non-partisan group or action. Uh, let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Hit me up on Twitter at current underscore podcast all right thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the current event podcast and i just want to thank everyone who reached out to me and my wife about our dog aspen passing we really appreciate that and always i love your feedback so keep it coming don't forget to like subscribe and rate this show if you like it if you don't beat it